0: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT and T.
2: Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast "How Rude Tanneritos. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.
1: You are listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Yo. Yo. It's waiting on reparations, it's obviously fresh The podcast with hip-hop and politics connect Getting knowledge is the quest Any scholarship you get, how could you forget There's levels, acknowledge who the best Get in the mix, Stop with all the relevant shit Right-wingers really thinking that secession is it And body armor when in real life they never been hit dope knife been sick since never been kissed it's hip-hop but i'm like how metal is this but if you want to play the dozens we can settle it quick i get every rebound like whenever i miss it's dope i'm all laugh plus the jello and chips nigga. <laughs> yo hey. what is up what's good y'all my name's dope knife i'm Uncle Franca, and we are waiting on reparations
0: but you know if slavery never ended Then then maybe, you know... We'd have
1: nothing to wait for.
0: Yeah, it's all good. We're still, you know... That's a
1: grim way to open up the shit, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, you know.
1: How are you doing today?
0: I'm good. I'm doing all right. It's a rainy rainy day here in Athens, Georgia, but I, I can't really complain too much. How you doing?
1: I'm good. It's been thunderstorming off and on in Savannah for like the last week, so... Same sort of thing. You know what I mean? I don't feel like leaving the house.
0: Climate change. Hey. Some say dry and others feel the pain.
1: You know what's crazy is? The rain is going, but it's still hot as shit.
0: I know. Like, I saw the street that, that, that was them. like, yo, in the South, it'd be raining, and then some come out afterward to just steam us like a bag of crabs. <laughs> Every time.
1: I was walking into the store the other day. I couldn't tell if it was rain or, like, sweat pouring down on me. It was, it's Who just, can
0: tell? Roll the dice. Yeah, I you, mean. You
1: just got to go with the flow.
0: Cheers,
1: so, cheers. <laughs> so today we're doing something a little different. Um, we're doing a movie review of a 2004 film by the name of CSA, The Confederate States of America. And this is a movie that I saw back in college, years ago and I don't know it, it circulated throughout the crew and everybody you know it, it really was a, a subject of discussion amongst my you know inner circle of friends and all of the people who saw it and it's something that just as years went on I never really r- understood why it wasn't not necessarily more popular but just more known about considering that it was made in the era of the Chappelle show you know, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and you can like, definitely
0: see in its humor that it, it is it is of that, of exactly that era. And it was, of that yeah. era. I wonder why it never caught on. I mean,
1: it's it's definitely has more of a serious tone than Chappelle Show. But anyway, I know that we're we're talking about it and we're being kind of vague, but that's because we want to kind of go in-depth in, in it on this. So we are going to explain to you the premise, the plot, and everything. But just to give you a little synopsis of what's coming, this film... Is a mockumentary about a retelling of American history if the Confederacy had won the Civil War?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's available. It's available on YouTube and various other streaming platforms. So like, you know check it out. it We do get a little spoilery in our discussion, but I don't think it ruins the film because like it's worth it for the way the humor is instantiated. like we'll we and- can, we'll talk you through some of the plot points, but it's still very much worth it for the chapels.
1: Yeah, and the way that, I mean, I guarantee you that what we're, the things that we do go in depth on, it's not even scratching the surface of how much there is in the movie, you know what I mean, to sink your teeth into. So we're just, it's something that I'd would i been wanting to get Mariah to check out for years just because, finally like, did. you know, yep. you, know you, you hadn't heard of it. And it was again, it was like, damn, yeah, I, I think this would definitely be something that you would find interesting, you know, so yeah. we're going to talk about that. And more after, oh, no, 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 I forgot. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the uh, I guess the inception point for this whole thing was uh, based off of a poll that I recently heard about. It was a new YouGov poll that revealed that 66% of Southern Republicans support secession.
0: According to the results, a fair share of Democrats, Independents, and Republicans in different regions can imagine leaving the U.S. to join a smaller union um, and I think of it as potentially a positive thing. Um, but in only one region, the South, did a majority of one group come out strongly in favor. It was 66% of Southern Republicans approving of the idea of a secessionist Southern Union.
1: The thing is, I can remember, you know, we all thought it would when, when I saw this movie with my friends back in the day, we all thought it was funny. We all thought it was pointed and sharp and, and made a lot of good points and was a good commentary and all that stuff. But there was still definitely a, um, there was a fantastical element about it. You know what I mean? There was there was definitely a, like, damn, that would be crazy if that happened. And now, almost 20 years later, thinking about it, it's like, damn... This feels like it feels like we could get there, not, not not likely, but it just feels like a lot more probable of a thing in the movie. It makes the movie seem a lot more grim to me when I watch. For like sure. watching it now for this for this review, it's like
0: counterpoint. You do hear a lot of libs. Like on the internet, you see those maps of like, okay, if you had to pick four states to secede with four contiguous states, you know what states would you pick? Or like, oh, let's uh, break off the South from the rest of you from the coasts or whatever, and like join with Canada, like th- this dream of like, let's just like get away from racism. Let's just like yeah, essentially leave most black people to the exactly. fascism no, of fa- the Republican overlords in the red states where we, you know, generationally have Exactly, lived. I mean, but, you it's know, not a virtuous, it's not a good thing, you know what I mean? It's like, not a good no. thing, and it's, it's something you hear both sides entertain as like a nanny nanny boo-boo. Like, even, even if it wasn't on leave. that, like,
1: even if it wasn't on that, like, lib, fear raging shit, it would still be like a fucked up sentiment. Because like you said, it's like, well, you know, I guess everybody who lives there, we can just abandon them and it's all good. You know what like, I mean? No, no, no,
0: no, no, that's <laughs> not what we meant. Black people can come too. It's like, oh, I'm glad <laughs> that we were the afterthought in your dream of uh, just leaving behind your problems rather than uh, confronting and addressing them, which is just like liberal wet dream but anyway yeah
1: well we're gonna get into this uh flick csa and more after the jump Alright, we are back So uh, CSA, the Confederate States of America It's a 2004 movie That's mockumentary That was directed by Kevin Wilmot Who's the writer and director And has long focused on black issues In his uh, works He's collaborated with Spike Lee often And they share an Oscar for best original screenplay For the 2019 movie Black Klansman Spike Lee is also a producer on this flick
0: have you seen Black Clownsman?
1: I have not seen Black Clownsman. I actually Black haven't Klansman. seen Black you know I think I fell asleep. I, I think am, I tried
0: and I fell asleep or something.
1: I'm tripping, admittedly, because like I don't think I've seen Spike Lee's last three joints.
0: In general, I'm not a huge movie watcher, um, yeah. so I, I use that as my excuse. But
1: I mean, you watch a lot of horror movies, or at least when usually when I do see you watching movies, you're watching like I'm horror watching movies, some scary so. shit. So yeah, this yeah.
0: movie was uh, perfect uh, for my <laughs> repertoire. Um, so it's in a, it's an alternate history, as we said at the, before the jump, and wherein the Confederacy wins the Civil War and establishes a new Confederate States of America that incorporates the majority of the Western Hemisphere, including the contiguous uh, United States, as well as the Golden Circle, um, Caribbean and South America. And it details the history of, you know, significant political and cultural events um, in these Confederate States of America from its founding up until the early 2000s. Um, And this viewpoint is used to kind of satirize real-life issues and events and shed light on the continuing existence of discrimination in American culture.
1: Now, the thing that separates this from other mockumentaries, is, I guess I would have to say, is the perspective that it's told in. So it's it's brought to you as if it's a British documentary, like just imagine like a sort of BBC type of channel and imagine that you're watching that and on this BBC channel you there's a documentary about the history of the United States so you like you're in England and you're watching some shit about American history over yeah. there that, you know BBC produced production and in in between it you know that that's kind of the perspective that's told in so you're watching you know television in this world where the Confederacy has taken over. So, in, interrupting the program you're watching, you have these commercial breaks that we're going to get into later on, but it's, it's showing you what I guess advertising and marketing would be in a white supremacist slave culture.
0: And then it has two talking heads that sort of provide a lot of the narration for the film. There's Sherman Hoyle, who um, I guess is supposed to be a parody of this dude, Shelby Foote, who is sort of a Historian that was a leader with the, uh, you know, uh, um, the Lost Cause movement mm. of like, oh, you know, the, the, her- 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 the heroism of those that fought for the Confederacy. And then, oh, it wasn't all about slavery, that whole yeah. Yeah. branch of, of history making, um, the attempt to wrest control of the narrative away from the winners. Um, and so he's a conservative settler given his take. and then on the other hand you've got a black Canadian professor, Patricia Johnson, um, providing commentary throughout the film. Um, and then you've got this dude, John Ambrose Faunroy, great grandson of one of the men that helped found the CSA, is also interviewed. And what's interesting is the narration um, explains the fake historical news real footage. Um, which is either acted um, acted out or made of genuine archival footage dubbed with fictional narration, which I found really entertaining.
1: And one of the things, uh, one of the reviews that I read about this film is, it was kind of like a critical review, but they were just saying this film suffered because the budget was very low. Yeah, so it was like 700,000,
0: uh, yeah, it was like very, 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 very low. They yeah. were
1: making the point that it made it seem a lot maybe more hokey or more satirical what than perhaps you I the mean, movie wanted to be.
0: Yeah, I actually think
1: the budget in that sense that you just made up, or that you just uh, pointed out, I think the budget helped it out because some of those scenes where they have like archival footage next to their stuff that's like reenacted, because the budget is low, the quality of the film makes it like blend. So it's like, oh man, is that... You, you know what I mean? Like for a second, you're like, is that really a video of abraham lincoln like oh you know what i mean like is that really like an old video of abraham lincoln like talking because it looks like actually grady photo video next to like these uh, old civil war photos and stuff like that i thought that i thought that helped it it made it look genuine
0: i think i think it holds up i mean i think that well, thinking back to like the history channel documentaries and shit that i saw when i was a kid maybe late you know late 90s etc this is very i mean, this very similar. Mm -hmm. very similar at least in the way it looks and so i I don't know i don't think that um pretty good critique stands but y'all be the judge y'all can check it out after you listen to this episode
1: kevin wilmot began production on the film with funding from the national black programming consortium or the nbpc and he wrote the first draft in 1997 uh, he had earlier written a screenplay about abolitionist John Brown, and he told interviewers he was inspired to write the story after seeing the, a, an episode of the Ken Burns 1990s documentary, The Civil War. You know, I've never seen that documentary. Have you?
0: No, I have not, actually.
1: I've seen the uh, Vietnam one that Ken Burns did. That's like a famous one. So let's get into some of the things that kind of stand out about this film to you. Like, what were your some? what were your initial... Uh, just first and foremost since i finally got you to see it what's your initial like thoughts about the movie
0: well in watching it you know i i i was aware that it was intended to satirize and sort of um speculate about what if with a lot of uh american history had the confederacy won. but as i was watching it i was like yo some of this kind of like did happen though like in real life like for real for real Mm-hmm. Um, particularly as I was thinking about like, um, um, the, the, so, um, in the film, they, the Confederacy goes on to conquer, not only the contiguous United States, but Cuba, South America, they build a wall between America and Canada, the cotton curtain, mm-hmm. um, to, 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 to separate the abolitionists and the runaway slaves from, you know, this territory in which slavery is still legal. But thinking about, like, the conquests that they undertake of Latin America to sort of spread their uh, capitalist ideology, I mean, you know, like, using humans as capital, um, I was like, yo, th- that's sort of, like, real shit, though. Because if you, you know, study the history of U.S.-Latin American relations, um, we've been involved in, like, regime change in Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil— Chile, Costa Rica, Cuba, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Guatemala—pretty much every single country uh, that you can name. If you throw a dart at a map, you hit a country where the CIA and you know U.S.-backed forces have been involved in the destabilization of democratically elected governments, um, such so that um, you know we can continue to you know exploit their resources. Um, so that you know, socialism or other forms of uh, organizing the economy don't take on and then get exported to other countries. When people are like, "Huh, that actually works out really well," they're like, "They come in." It's like, "Nope, we're gonna make sure that your working classes are held as chattel um, by coming in, and they're militarily or covertly through espionage and other means, like I think imp- that's kind implementing of the, neoliberalism."
1: Yeah, it feels like that's the point of the movie, kind of show that. It's kind of like showing that just because the mask was on, doesn't like differentiate the actions. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it shows you how this, how the Confederacy won and just continued on this like white supremacist sort of agenda, but it was just like open face because it's like, hey, we're the Confederacy. You know what I mean? We got, we're, but then when you think about it. In parallel to how history actually played out, it's like, oh wait, we were doing the same white supremacist thing. We just weren't calling it that, and yeah. you know what I mean. And that just we just weren't being open with the shit.
0: So. Yeah, and as an abolitionist myself, I mean, like my key, my my like core political framework is the it comes, stems from the belief that slavery was not abolished. Like with Reconstruction's failure, with the pullout of northern troops from the south during the period of economic. Um, Re- rebuilding the South economically, our failure to provide um, stable supports and protections for people of color during that period, um, it, and the way that our you know our criminal justice apparat- apparatuses were restructured to maintain social control, like that stuff never ended. And so I think that I mean from that lens, like a lot of what they portray in the movie, it very much fits into that. Where it's like white supremacy ultimately still won, even if slavery was nominally abolished in the form of like you know chattel ownership of of humans
1: so let let me give a little just a little like bullet point timeline of how they have events sort of happen right so the civil war happens for all of the reasons that the civil war happens but in in the film the south decides to like Decidedly declare that the Civil War is about states' rights. Like that's their that's their main propaganda push is that it's states' rights instead of you know just openly being like we were fighting for the right to preserve slavery. So this A
0: states' right to what? <laughs> well, I mean
1: that's the, the whole yeah, amb- that's ambiguity. The, yeah. I mean you know the ambiguity of it is like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the strategy. So them doing that then opens the way for europe to i guess feel good with getting involved at this point for example in the movie the Bat- the battle of gettysburg it's the northern troops that fighting the confederacy but also french troops and british troops and stuff like that and the confederacy ends up winning this leads to a chain of events like abraham lincoln getting exiled and then he has to run away to canada where he dies um harriet yeah. tubman gets gets found and they Executed. execute her yeah they they do a they do like a uh, northern northern reconstruction where they pretty much go in and then implement slavery throughout the nation. So that in turn makes this giant fascist state that
0: yeah they like offer tax credits for like northerners to get them to incentivize them to own slaves, and you can kind of picture it. You're like, well, you know, this government benefit makes it very
1: lucrative. I mean.
0: I don't know I can kind of picture it Hey Here's
1: what I can picture Right And this is This is what I can picture Okay so 75 million people Voted for Donald Trump Right Mm -hmm. I feel like If Donald Trump looked Dead Dead eyed in the camera Tomorrow And was like Yo We need to bring back slavery I kind of think That at least 70 million people Would still vote for Donald Trump
0: well, they'd be, oh, well, yeah. There'd be, then there'd be 35 million who'd be like, "Oh, that was a deep fake. I don't believe he said that. You know, He's a good guy." And then another 35, would probably be like, "Yeah, let's do it." Other historical things that you know they portray in the film that were not too far off from reality. Um, I think in World War II, they go America goes to fight the Nazis, but not because um, they want because. But because they, they they prefer that the Jews be enslaved rather than yeah, so exterminated, yeah.
1: Because because we're this uh, uh, giant Confederate fascist state that's taken over um, South America and got has their hands rooted in everything and also they're about some right supremacy shit, the, the Confederacy allies with Hitler and while he's getting ready to do the Holocaust – they suggest to him this character who's kind of a his generation this character Fontroy is kind of a recurring character throughout the movie like in the different generations of his family so like you see him in the construction of the Confederate state and then you see his grandson who's running for office now but that senator that congressman he suggests to Hitler a hey, you know you should enslave the Jews instead of killing them. So then that leads to uh, uh, Axis power that includes the U.S. and Germany, and then we end up invading uh, Japan prematurely and taking that over. It's it's crazy, man. I mean, I, th- the whole thing, the way that I'm describing it, is almost sounds like it's a fucking like sci-fi thriller and shit like that. It's very much you know done in the style of a mockumentary, but I think that the ideas they're dealing with. It's just there's so much there, you know what I'm saying? When you just think of it from a story standpoint, the, the, it's really a cool work in world building. Because they really thought of yeah. every aspect of how history would play out.
0: And I think there's a, a number of parallels here, but one that popped out to me was that the Confederacy recruited slaves, voluntarily released by their owners for military service as soldiers, by, and promised them their freedom after the war in exchange for fighting. A promise which turned out to be a lie. And this does not stray too, too far from... The reality of Black veterans returning from war, whether it be within the promises made by the GI Bill um, for mortgages, for access to higher education, Um, the GI Bill's language didn't specifically exclude African-American veterans, but it was structured in a way that ultimately shut out, I think, like 1.2 million Black veterans that served in World War II. Who served in resegregated ranks, by the way? Um, and so they actually used some of the tactics that had previously been used with the New Deal to ensure that um, the GI bill helped as few black people as possible. Um, you know, for example, some couldn't access benefits when they got home because they had not been given an honorable discharge. Um a much larger number of black veterans who were discharged were discharged dishonorably than their white counterparts as well. Um, a number of veterans, um, who did qualify, couldn't find facilities that delivered on the bill's promise, for example, black veterans um, were offered access to a vocational training program. But the only place to get it was at a segregated high school in Indiana. The, and the, for in this specific example, it was in Indianapolis, um, because because the, they weren't because alo- they weren't allowed to use the facilities because the facilities were so segregated. Um, and then intimidation from the public. You know, mob rule was also leveraged to discourage black veterans from taking advantage of the benefits they were promised. Um, for example, in nineteen forty-seven, a crowd hurled rocks at black veterans as they were moved into a Chicago housing development. And, you know, thousands and thousands of black veterans were attacked in the years following World War II. Um, some were singled out and lynched, and so just like street violence, in addition to, you know, various uh Bureaucratic or other otherwise, you know, policy means used to actually ensure that, like, yelling gets shit. Um, and then uh, the discussion of, uh, interestingly, this is a theme that's carried through in some of Spike Lee's work. The um, Five Bloods that came out in 2020 um, talks a lot about, or actually, the focus of the film is black veterans' treatment returning from Vietnam, um, which also. Um, in my study, I've been reading the Huey P. Newton reader, and um, it seems like, particularly the Vietnam conflict, while it doesn't really like fa- factor into the film here, this idea that oh, you go fight, you know, abroad and come back and to you know a better life, because well, well, yeah, but you really come back to being a slave, um, was a reality that like a lot of black revolutionaries were keenly aware of, and that really informed their anti-imperialist uh, stances and a sense of internationalist so- solidarity. Um, during that period, Um they're like, "Are you kidding? Go fight a war against people who I have more in common with than the folks sending me to go fight, uh, just to come home and be like called a nigger still." Like,
1: well, that, psych. I mean, that's, <laughs> like that whole part is actually my favorite part of the movie when they get into the 60s and stuff like that. Yeah. Because by the time they get to the 60s in the film, you know everything as far as like as far as they're concerned, the Confederacy's and Tranquil peace and everything's the way they want it to be, and the you know the the whole entire thing is thriving. But then you you start having an abolitionist group that's Canadian-based called the uh, JBU, the John Brown Underground, and they form as freedom fighters slash terrorists to, to the Confederacy, doing bombings and things like that. And this creates more tension between Canada and the U.S. And in Canada, by the way, since free black people are in canada canada is the country that culturally thrives where you've got blues and jazz and rock and roll and all these things and uh the u.s pretty much stays like you know dixie so it starts this tension between canada and the u.s and they build like they pretty much they use abolition as a substitution for communism Yeah So the, the red scare in the 60s in the film Is like a scare about the spread of abolition And there's a, there's a really cool part Where they show uh, a snippet from a fake 1960s movie Called The Abolitionist And it's like this woman confronting her husband And she's like Honey, you've been reading all of these books The Life and Times of Frederick Douglass Uncle Tom's Cabin What are you doing with these? And he's like, I'm reading them I'm an abolitionist <gasps> oh
0: no dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah yeah no that's that's mad funny what would you say was your favorite part um my favorite part I honestly I know you're gonna talk about this in a little bit but I thought the commercials were really funny particularly yes, in yes. understanding some of their like origin
1: the, the origins of the Yeah. yeah and, oh. so I'll
0: let you get into that in a second but that I, those little snippet breaks you never knew what was gonna
1: yeah you never knew
0: what was gonna be like oh, oh commercial break let's see what it is yeah
1: So, okay, so let's get into these commercial breaks, because I guess if there's any sort of like hook to the film and it got it's such like a a dark, darkly humorous thing. But the hook of the film, I would say, is around the commercial breaks that are you know, interrupting the documentary that you're watching. And in this fake world of the Confederacy, (laughs) in this fake world, but in this in this world that the movie creates of the Confederacy running things. You have ads for, I mean, pretty much the sort of advertisements that would exist, that existed in the U.S. in the times of slavery, but you see them updated through time. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And then also they do parallels with shows and products and things that we have now to kind of peel the skin off of the onion to show you, you know, how some of these things themselves are rooted in white supremacy to begin with the best example of this is their interpretation of the show cops so they have a show you know there's a commercial break for a show called runaways and it's it's just cops chasing after runaway slaves and For the theme song, instead of having the Bad Boys theme song, it's like a, you know, Southern Dixie. Run, boy, run, boy, boy, you better run, 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 boy, run, boy, boy, you better run. Runaways! And all the footage that you're seeing, it looks like an episode of Cops. But in the context of this, it's like, I mean, for me, just growing up, Cops was always just whatever. I never watched it, but it was just a thing that was on TV, you know what I mean? Right, it was ubiquitous, yeah. Exactly. It, It wasn't until I saw this movie back in the day where I was like, Oh wait! Commercials range from there is a toothpaste called Darky Toothpaste. We've got the Sambo X15 Motor Oil commercial, and that commercial is pretty um, pretty disturbing. It starts off with uh, kind of like a what are they called? Smoke? What's not Smokey and the Bandit? The Dukes of Hazard kind of has like a yeah, Dukes yeah, of yeah. Hazard duo who are, who are sitting cleaning their car. And then, you know, a famous NASCAR-ish driver appears. He's like, you know, you, you're having car trouble? Try Sambo X-15 Motor Oil. We've got um, nigger hair cigarettes. We've got a spoof on the Leave It to Beaver show called Leave It to Beulah. And Beulah was is, a real
0: show, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, it definitely was. Shit
0: like that, where it's like, ha, ha but then it's like, oh shit, nah, that was like real shit, though.
1: Um, the Coon Chicken Inn, which was a real restaurant that I think lasted up until like 19, the 1950s. Oh, and the nigger hair cigarettes that I mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, the movie says that that was actually, that like was a product that existed until 1980s.
0: All the so. shit, so much shit in here where it's like, nah, actually some real shit, bruh. And so it's like, unless you know your history deeply. Yeah. Uh, it's like chuckling. Oh, that'd be, that'd be ridiculous if that happened. It's like, no, we live in a ridiculous reality currently.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I just I just like that. And, and maybe this is completely anecdotal, but it's just, you know, the personal experience that I have with the film, because, you know, the the crew, the cats that I hung out with, we were all, you know, it was literally we, like my crew back in the day was literally like a, one of those like Burger King kids club sort of looking, you know what I mean? It's like, we've got, like, three Asians, we've got, like, four black guys, we've got a white guy, we've got two girls, one of them's Latino, you know what I mean? Just, like, everyone was covered, and we all, you know... And I just remember, like, us watching this, and we must have watched this, like, four times as a group. You know? And just, just... sharing blunts and having like in-depth discussions on just our feelings about race and politics and culture and you know our reaction to the film so it's always going to have that sort of special sentimental like feeling for me but i can't help but think that in a group of like-minded people it, it probably could spur the same sort of discussions and understandings that we got back in the day so it's definitely a recommended movie for me i recommend it you know, for, for groups of friends, you know, definitely, you know, some people, it, it, defi- it definitely trigger warning, trigger warnings all around. It, there, there's definitely some things in there. It that, was, I'm not
0: going to lie. It's a little hard to watch at times because it's just like, slur, like it's got a lot of slurs in it, mm-hmm. you know, for, I guess, to keep the, that world building aspect for it to seem as realistic as possible. But I flinched a couple times. Like, God damn, fuck.
1: I mean, I, I think it's, I think that's important though. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I feel like I feel like if it didn't have that thing, the fact that when we were watching it, there was stuff that would happen in the movie where all of like the black people in the room would be like, "Oh yeah. damn!" and like all the white people would just kind of be like silent. Like my white <laughs> friends, like, "Yo, I don't Yo, wanna laugh at that." I don't wanna laugh, but I want to <laughs> laugh. Yeah. So it's like I said, it's that Chappelle era sort of racial commentary. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So.
0: But jumping back to the commercials, I think Richard Brody in The New Yorker, in his review of the film, captures what, like the, the function of the commercials really well. He says, above all, the fo- faux commercials capture the blithe contentment of white people, um, a fantasy of white, suprem- white supremacy that is inextricable from American history and continues to sell goods and win elections today. The crucial threat of CSA is the delicate balance on which even the current impaired state of civil rights depends. The ingrained premise of racism on which the United States is built, the relentless effort that it takes to resist the realization of that premise and the restoration of its institutions, um, and the tiny flicks of historical switches on which matters of, gravest mo- of the gravest moment depend. Um, but yeah, like the I think that like uh, cut throughout the film are these moments where it's just like. Looking at how happy white people are in this scenario, and like mm-hmm. that today, you know, again drawing that the the parallel to our timeline, that so much of white supremacy depends on just like maintain the maintenance of, of just white um, contentment and complacency, you know, that in order to get your brunch on Sunday morning and have your fancy mimosas and and shit, like you're gotta exploit a worker that's making two thirteen an hour. Um, and tips and, you know, as wh- whether or not they can pay rent or not or another their light bill or yeah, pay it for like- go to college. Like, all of that, like, that's the bedrock on which all of this still rests. And I think the commercials kind of, like, they play that up because it's, like, so over the top how, like, cheery and content- contented the white people are, but, like, that, I think it, it speaks a lot to, like, uh, what white supremacy looks like today still.
1: Have you ever uh, seen a Spike Lee movie called Bamboozled?
0: It, that came out in like 2000, right?
1: Yeah, literally 2000. I think I yeah. saw it
0: right after it came out, which means it must have been like 12.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? But- I think the the next time that we ever do do a uh, a episode where we're reviewing a movie, we should we should check that one out. I think yeah. that's another forgotten one because it's pretty much kind of about the subject of the. It's almost like a prequel or a, a sister movie to this because it's it's kind of about. White supremacy hidden in in current day marketing and in yeah. big media and stuff like that. So that could be an interesting thing to check out. Um, we do not have a music discussion today, or do we? No, nope. I nope. don't know. We, I don't think we do. Yeah, I don't think we. I don't think we do have a music discussion today. So anyway, in closing, highly recommend this movie. Um, I think it's it's important. It's funny and. You know, it definitely will peep your interest in some things about history that you did not know because there's a little before before Marvel movies were doing the end of the credit scenes. This movie yeah. hits you with the ill end of the credit scenes to let you know how close to reality it actually is and how it's not like just wild speculation and yeah. fantasy.
0: So if you like um, Spike Lee, if you like mockumentaries, if you enjoy the humor, the style of humor of like the Chappelle show era. I would recommend this movie, Um, checking it out, for sure. Thanks for putting me on, Mac. I didn't, you know, you've been talking about this movie for a long time, and I finally saw it.
1: No doubt, and now I get to spread that with all of y'all out there. So we are going to be back next week, like we always are, but for now, it's been a long time shouldn't Should've have left, left you, you left without you. dope rhymes to step, two, step, step two step two step two step two step, step two, two. I'm stacking <laughs> here. hey yo joe drop a beat hey i'm dope knife
0: i'm Lingo franca
1: and we are waiting on reparations
0: see you next see you week peace Waiting on Reparations is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At JCPenney,
4: fashion counts for everybody and every